With the 14th, 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first post-All-Star edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Chris McPherson. I'm making my debut. I feel left out in the cold up to this point. So, Yes, indeed. You're hearing the smooth sounds of Alex Smith and draft analyst extraordinaire Fran Duffy. Gentlemen, phenomenal couple weeks on the road between the Shrine Game and Senior Bowl. Thank you. Thank you very Learned much. a lot. The podcasts were great. The notes packages were phenomenal. Day the in the Life piece. The food was great. The food was too great sometimes. <laughs> you get down to Mobile, you have the barbecue, you got some seafood, uh, get to watch these great prospects. It's a good week overall. Alex almost had to check me uh, going into the Delta plane. I don't know. They were, they, I was going to make it on the plane. They were, they were going to have to check Jesus. me with baggage. <laughs> I made it back. No, we appreciate all the support we've gotten from our listeners, whether it's on Philadelphia.com, the app, iTunes, Stitcher, and make sure to rate, leave us a comment, and let us know, you know what questions you want answered on the podcast, what features you want to hear down the line as we get you guys ready for the 2017 NFL Draft, which takes place right here in Philadelphia. So on today's show, we're going to go through draft buzz, some of the latest news and notes, some different comments from uh, different analysts, and we'll react to those. Our pick six is going to be six underclassmen. We're excited to learn more about during the draft process since all the underclassmen now declare the senior bowl is over, start learning more about the young crop coming into the draft mix. Our Mr. Relevant is going to be Lance Zierlein from NFL.com, a phenomenal draft analyst. He just released his first mock. We'll have him get into his pick for the Eagles as well as some players to watch throughout the process. Our unofficial visit is going to be Elijah McGuire, and then we're going to get into your questions on our draft mailbag. So, fellas, let's get the train rolling in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, since you guys did just come back from the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. all right, we figured you got to get into some of the practice player awards that were handed out, and the top player was Alabama tight end O.J. Howard, went into the Senior Bowl. Everyone looked at him as a, you know, pretty much a surefire first-round pick. Do you guys think that he cemented his status as that in the week of practices in the game? Yeah, I think that we talked about that throughout the course of the week, that he kind of, even from day one, I remember some of the catches he made early in the team periods in the the first day of practice on Tuesday, Alex, uh, making one-handed grabs away from his frame. He's making catches in in traffic, uh, going up and fighting for the ball in contested situations. I thought O.J. Howard was the best player in the, in the course of the week, so wasn't surprised at all to see him get the overall Practice Player of the Week award. Yeah, we said in our recap podcast, too, that you know I thought he just looked different than some of the other players out yep. there. He looked like an NFL tight end, really an NFL wide receiver at times with some of the routes that he can run. He was the best player there by a mile. Uh, I know Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com, really high on him, thinks he could be a top-12 player, um, and I agree with him. I think he's a phenomenal player, and he had a really good week in Mobile. So, Fran, did you wear a cherry and white T-shirt? Underneath your Eagles gear, with the uh, way Temple represented, earning two practice player awards. Two practice player of the week awards. Uh, very, very proud for hashtag Temple made. Both guys. I mean, look, Hassan Reddick was one of the three best players throughout Absolutely. the course of the week of practice. Uh, the big question with him was going to be how was he going to transition from playing defensive end the last two years to a stacked linebacker position in a, in a three-four scheme. And I thought he passed that test with with flying colors down there in Mobile. And then Deion Dawkins saw most of his reps at guard after playing tackle throughout his career. So uh, I thought he got better as the week went on. He started a little slow on Tuesday, but I thought he got better as the week went on and was certainly one of the more dominant offensive linemen in attendance at the event. Fran did have his Temple travel bag with him. I did. he brings with him on the trip. Because <laughs> it's, it's such a different color from every, any other bag, so it it's so out. easy to find. It, sta- it stands out, so it's a, it's a go-to. Our good friend Dave Spadaro, for the longest time when he traveled on the road to Eagles games, had a Temple gym bag. Yep. And finally, just, just couldn't make out. it. Just gave out. Mine's right on the brink. <laughs> it's right on the brink. Uh, anything? So you guys were there for the practices. You guys watched the game. Any takeaways from the game itself? Zay Jones. Yeah. I mean, he he got better as the week went on. I thought he was consistent from the first day of practice, but 
uh, you know, he made some great catches. We were watching one-on-ones on Thursday down the field uh, in some of those vertical throws. And, and that's the question with him ultimately is what kind of athlete is he? You know, is he going to be able to win one-on-one on the outside or is he going to be more of a bigger slot receiver? But uh, Zay Jones was dynamite in the game, made some big-time catches, uh, should have had three touchdowns, yeah. ended up only being one in the box score. But uh, I think everybody, not just the Eagles, because I get dozens of questions about Zay Jones every single day now on Twitter, but I think every NFL team fan base wants him in the third round now. I mean, he's like everybody's favorite third-round pick at this point, Zay Jones. Yeah, uh, just watching him throughout the week, I, I'd go as far as to say that he was my favorite player that I saw at the Senior Bowl this week. Um, just because I think he can do a lot for an offense. He was good in the game. Another player who was great in the game, I thought, was Toledo running back Kareem Hunt, yeah. who had a really good week of practice, and then that showed in the game. Uh, a pretty entertaining game. wasn't that high scoring. I was able to catch uh, most of it, but... Uh, I would say Kareem Hunt and Zay Jones, two players that, that really stood out both during the week of practice uh, and in the game as well. And two players, I think, when you look at the positions, wide receiver and running back, perhaps the Eagles could look to upgrade there. Yeah. I mean, Zay Jones received props from Jerry Rice, yep. the greatest on social media, on Twitter. So certainly everyone's taking notes of that. And, of course, if you guys don't remember, his brother Caleb Jones mm -hmm. was in Eagles camp not that long ago. Don't and forget his uncle. His uncle is Jeff Blake, former Eagles quarterback. That's correct, yes. His father, Robert Jones, was an NFL linebacker for a long time. It's a, it's a <laughs> football family there. And speaking of getting praise on social media, I also saw that uh, another GOAT, Merrill Reese, said that he would be happy <laughs> if true. the Eagles ended up with Zay Jones after watching really? the Senior Bowl. So don't know how much tape Merrill gets to watch in these guys, but he was certainly watching the Senior Bowl game, and he liked what he saw from Zay Jones. <laughs> Every year during our Eagles draft live shows, Merrill Reese has his guy, mm -hmm. his guy who consistently wants throughout the process. So maybe Zay Jones, an early look, could be that player this year. One of my favorite moments in the Eagles draft live history was producing the show. It was in 2013. All Merrill wanted from the fourth round on was Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer, mm -hmm. Jordan Poyer, Jordan. Yes. And when the Eagles selected Jordan Poyer in the seventh round, I've never seen more jubilation from that man's face than when he leapt up in victory uh, you know, at the reaction to the selection of Jordan Poyer. All right, let's go through some of the other uh, news and notes from not just the seniors, but some of the underclassmen. Here's one. Mike Mayock, our good friend who does the Eagles preseason games, phenomenal draft analyst, expects North Carolina quarterback Mitch Trubisky to measure in from what he's hearing at just six foot one at the NFL scouting combine. Now, many of you are probably wondering, well, what does that mean? Well, in the last 15 years, only two quarterbacks at that height or under have been selected in the first round. Johnny Manziel and Rex Grossman. So maybe not the best uh, precedent there, but Fran, what do you see from Trubisky? Well, I think the, the big thing that would come from that is when you say he's 6'1", is he going to be 6017? Is he going to be 6013? Uh, is he going to be 6'1 even? Is he going to be 6 foot and 7 eighths? I mean, that, that's going to be really interesting to see what the official uh, height is for him once he, once he checks in. Does that you make know, that much of a difference, though, for a quarterback especially? You know, a few inches here, a few inches there? Uh, it, it can look. You don't need the guy to be six seven, mm -hmm. but you also don't want him to be you know under six one either. So uh, that will be the big thing. And when you see Trubisky, really the big thing. Obviously, he's got a small sample size, right? He's listed six three two twenty. He only has thirteen starts under his belt at the college level. Uh, played behind a guy who wasn't really a prospect the last two years, and Marquise Williams, the quarterback for the, the Tar Heels. So uh, Trubisky sat on the bench until this year, decides that he's going to enter the draft. And he shows some flashes. In the two games that I've watched, he shows short and intermediate accuracy. He's got some light feet. He's, the question is, is can he consistently move in the pocket? Can he throw with better anticipation? As a first-year starter, I didn't expect to see him show some of those next-level traits, but that's why it's a projection with him. That's why it's going to be really, really tough to evaluate him uh, on a grand scale and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to hitch my wagon to him as a top-five pick. It's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up going in April. The thing is, if you're an Eagles fan, you worry want about it. <laughs> No, not just you know, obviously you don't have to worry about quarterback, correct. But you want Trubisky to go in the oh, top absolutely. five. You want him to go in the top ten because you want to push a better player yeah. down to the Eagles pick. True. You want Trubisky, you want Kaiser, you want Deshaun Watts, you want all, all those, those guys. guys. Throw them all in the top 14 picks. Please. 13 picks. Help the Eagles out. Our next note here comes from another NFL team. So Panthers general manager Dave Gellman named three players down at the senior ball. And he was not just talking about senior ball prospects, just players in the entire draft class who have already kind of grabbed his attention and two we already talked about oj howard's one of them miles garrett projected to possibly be the first pick overall the texas a&m edge rusher the second one but the third was a player you guys saw up close and personal and that's the pride of villanova to know 
Very nice job on the pronunciation there, Seaman. That one was driving us crazy this weekend. I can only imagine. Uh, Fran, but I know when we got to see him there, uh, the first thing I saw when I got to see him in person was he reminded me of a Sean Oakman type from last yeah. year who's just that big body guy. And the question, I think, is can he put it together? Does he have the technique uh, to, you know, to really use that body to his advantage, to, to, to be, you know, um, to use his leverage and, and all those kinds of things. So I think we did see a, a really good week from him this week. I don't know where exactly he fits along the defensive line. Um, could he move inside? Could he be an outside type guy? But um, very intriguing. And it's also very intriguing that, that Gettleman would name him as a player to watch this early. Yeah, the fact that he singled him out, I thought was very, very interesting. But you're talking about a guy who's got position versatility. And that was always my question with him is, what is his best fit at the next level? You know, is he a five technique and a three, four, and that's his best role? Or can he play four, three DN? Can he play three technique inside as a D tackle? You know, if he were to come to the Eagles, what position would he be when they were lined up in base? Or, you know, what would he be in nickel? I'm sure he would get moved around. Uh, I compared him to a David Irving from the Dallas Cowboys, who the Eagles see twice a year. Some people have made the comparison to a Carlos Dunlap, who the Eagles saw this year. Very similar measurables. We saw him in person. I mean, the, I wrote this in the notes piece on Tuesday. I've been there. This was my sixth weigh-in. I've never heard the uh, the collective gasp from the from the room that that, that there happened on Tuesday morning when Pasenio walked out on stage uh, in nothing but his underwear at six seven, two hundred eighty pounds. <laughs> he was the Mister Universe winner, Mr. Universe winner from, from Tuesday's weigh-in. So uh, you know, seeing a guy, you start checking boxes at this point. You know, he's got athletic ability. He's got the ability to to move people as well. The question, like you said, Alex, is consistent technique and that's going to be the question with him moving forward all right last note real quickly here tony pauline heard from him on the podcast last couple of weeks from the shrine and senior bowl uh wrote that usc cornerback adory jackson underclassman is a lock for the first round of the draft very interesting so i actually watched jackson this morning again i, I watched him a lot over the summer from his sophomore year in 2015 Got a chance to watch a little bit of him early in the fall from that USC-Alabama uh, game in week one. And I watched two more games this morning. And you, when you watch him against Washington, you really kind of encapsulate everything about Adore Jackson as a prospect. Because athletically, he's got everything you want. He's got the quickness. He's got the, the recovery speed. He's got the change of direction. He's got fluid hips. Everything that you want for a man cover corner. He's a little bit on the shorter side, so that's going to be the question. He's under five foot eleven reportedly, so we'll see what he ends up coming in at the combine. But uh, the big question with Jackson coming in for to season for me was he was more of an athlete than a corner. You know, at 5'11", 185, he played receiver, he played running back, he was a great returner, uh, so he did a lot of different things. And you saw that uh, he would need help getting lined up sometimes as a sophomore. They were kind of, uh, other players in the secondary were having to work with him pre-snap. That was not the case when I watched him this year. Uh, you see a guy that, that got better from a technique standpoint, was more disciplined in press coverage. Like I said, you have all those physical skills. My question will be moving forward is can he show the – he's got the ball skills to go up and actually play the ball, but can he find the ball late? You know, does he have that ability uh, to be a cover corner? I think at the, very, at the very least he's a fourth corner and special teamer. So I, th I feel good about his ability to at least be that. The question will be in this deep cornerback class, is he going to be a first-round pick? Tony seems to think so. So uh, apparently he's a great kid, too. He was a team captain as a junior, uh, which obviously goes a long way at USC as well. Yeah, my question, you brought it up, is how exactly are teams going to use him? Because yeah. not only did he play corner, he played some wide receiver, he played some running back, great return specialist, as you mentioned. So are teams going to tap into that, or are they going to say, hey, we want you to focus that corner. Obviously, you're making the jump from college to the NFL. Just get the corner stuff down first, and then maybe we can move along. But very interesting to see how teams will tap into that versatility that Dory Jackson has. All right, so that's going to do it for our Draft Buzz segment. Now let's transition into Pick 6. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, for this week's edition of Pick 6, since it is the first time we're talking about the underclassmen, we figured let's talk about six players who are underclassmen that we're excited to learn more about in the draft process. And we've talked a lot about Dory Jackson in the last segment. I'm going to start things off, and I'll stick with the cornerback position, and I'm going to go with Sidney Jones, the cornerback out of Washington, also in the Pac-12. The plus with him is he's tall at six foot one. He's got great experience. He started 12 of 13 games as a freshman, two-time first-team All-Pac-12 selection, productive, had nine career interceptions. Uh, the tape shows that he can play press and off coverage. He's willing to play the run. Uh, Playmaking style similar to his former teammate Marcus Peters, who was a first-round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs. The big question with him is bulk because he's only listed at 170 pounds, 
We don't know what he'll weigh in at the combine, but can he add mass without losing speed in the process? So that's going to be my first guy there, Sidney Jones, who a lot of things I like about him, a potential first-round selection. The question with him will be size and how can he hold up at the cornerback spot. Uh, I'm glad you brought him up, uh, Chris, because he's got – those physical tools you mentioned, the, the question I had with him too when I watched him was his recovery speed. And you mentioned the lack of bulk. So if he's going to put on more weight, is he going to lose some of that speed that I, I already think is a little bit limited? I only watched one game. I watched him against Rutgers. Much more work I have to do on Sidney Jones at this point. But uh, certainly a guy that has physical tools. Some people think he's one of the best corners in the class. So very, very interesting to see more of him. All right, guys, I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball for my first player here. And uh, I'm going to give the Eagles fans what they want. And I'm going to talk about Mike Williams, who's a player that – uh, Eagles fans left and right seem like they, if he's there at number 14 or 15, they'd love to see the Eagles go after. Of course, the wide receiver from Clemson, a tall physical playmaker. He's six foot three. Uh, but my question here leading into the rest of the draft process is uh, he had that neck injury in 2015, a really scary incident, missed the, the entire season that year. I think it was on the opening drive of the season, actually, where he had that injury. So does any of that medical stuff come back? Where is he physically? Um, but I'm really I, I want to know more about him. I want to see how he does uh, in his 40 at the combine. Uh, speed, not necessarily his forte, but a big physical playmaker. Um, so I just want to hear more about him. I think he's. He's definitely one of the top two wide receivers in this year's group. Um, so I, I really want to know more about him, specifically from a medical side here going forward. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Mike Williams, a guy that obviously Eagles fans are very familiar with. And I'm going to stay at the receiver spot because uh, I think the number was 27 underclassmen receivers declared for this draft. 27 receivers declared for the draft, which is crazy. Um, so I'm going to go with Carlos Henderson, a player that was first team All-Conference uh, USA this past year for Louisiana Tech, a former teammate uh, of Eagles great Paul Turner. Uh, and and Henderson, you love your Louisiana Tech. Yes. Uh, look, they, all they do is churn out studs, man. That's all they do. <laughs> uh, but Henderson is a guy who's I have not studied yet at all, and so I, I can't really give you a scouting report on him. That's why I'm excited to see more. But really, it comes down to this whole receiver class from the junior ranks. You know, Chris Godwin from Penn State had that great Rose Bowl, and, and then he declared for the draft. Our Darius Stewart from Alabama has been super productive throughout his career. Travis Rudolph had a huge year for Florida State. Shelton Gibson from West Virginia is a really explosive talent. So it's not just Carlos Henderson, but I'm excited to see all these other junior receivers that I have yet to watch, all those guys I have yet to study. I'm excited to see which one of them kind of sets himself apart from the rest. And, and a, a senior receiver class that isn't particularly strong outside the top two or three guys. All right, I want to stay on the defensive side of the ball. And this is a position I think the Eagles could look to address at some point in the draft, and that's edge rusher. And I wanted to take a look at Charles Harris from Missouri. Now, he actually didn't start playing football until his junior year of high school. However, he did earn second-team All-SEC honors in both 2015 and 2016. He's had 16 sacks over the past two seasons. And what's going to be interesting for teams to evaluate on tape is, in 2015, the Missouri defense was more of a penetration-style defense, which more, I think, played to Harris's strengths, where last season they transitioned to more of a gap-controlled defense, and Harris seemed to struggle a little bit with that. So for the Eagles, I think they're going to look back at the 15 tape and probably figure this is a guy who potentially could fit into what Jim Schwartz wants to do. Dude, he is, he is explosive, man. His, his first step, his initial quickness, uh, I would say is probably top two in this draft. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he is viewed as a quote-unquote riser throughout the process. Uh, you mentioned that 2015 tape. I thought that he was probably behind Miles Garrett. I think he was my second favorite edge rusher coming into the year. Really? Uh, and I, I know the production was not there this year, but a very talented player. All right, well, C-Mac is sticking with the defensive players, so I'm going to stick on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm going to move to the running back position and look at Texas's Deontay Foreman. Uh, a lot of questions with him. He's listed at 6'1", 249, so he's obviously a bigger back. How fast can he run is obviously a question that a lot of people have, uh, and we'll get to see that moving forward here. But really, last year at Texas, uh, his his production went way up. The year before, he had 94 carries. That shot up to 323 carries, 2,028 rushing yards, and 15 touchdowns. So they really worked him at Texas last season. He was the workhorse for that offense. So let's see if there's any wear and tear of that moving forward. Um, but I think he's an interesting guy at the running back position. Fran, I don't know where you see him going as far as round-wise in this draft, but to me, I think he kind of is maybe in that third round range somewhere around there. So maybe if the, if the Eagles aren't looking to go running back in the first round and they still want to upgrade that position, I'm keeping a close eye on where Deontay Foreman is going forward. The big questions with me with Foreman are, obviously he's really, really physical. You saw him carry the load there for Texas this year, ton of carries. Number one, he's not a top-level athlete. 
Uh, so that's going to be a question mark with him in terms of can he be a full-time back as a subpar athlete. Number two, ball security, ton of fumbles this year, uh, and that was a big bugaboo for him. And then lastly, his blocking and receiving. You know, he wasn't used as a receiver often, even though he did catch the ball fairly well when he was given the opportunity, but he was used often as a blocker and just did not uh, look very good in that role. So uh, that's going to be a big question for him as well. But uh, my last player is going to be Marcus Williams, the safety from Utah, who at 6'1", 195, declared for the draft. And a lot of people said, oh, you know, another safety declared for the draft. Okay, well, you've got all those guys at the top. You know, you've got Malik Hooker from Ohio State. You've got Jamal Adams from LSU. Uh, you have Eddie Jackson from Alabama. Xavier Woods, another La Tech guy who I think is outstanding as well. But then I think you could talk about Marcus Williams. I've heard some people think that he's a top 50 talent. So uh, could Marcus Williams sneak into the back end of round one potentially, even with those amount of, that amount of safeties potentially going at high in the first round? will be very, very interesting to see. I'm excited to watch Williams. All right, so those are the six underclassmen we're excited to learn more about in the draft process. Now it's time to get into our Mr. Irrelevant, our interview with NFL.com draft analyst Lance Airline. It's time for Mr. Relevant. This week's Mr. Relevant on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA is none other than Lance Zierlein, the NFL Draft Analyst for NFL.com. He's also a host on Sports Talk 790 in Houston, the site of the Super Bowl this week. So certainly Lance is very busy. We're glad he's taking some time here to join us. Lance, you join the masses of draft analysts who have come out with your first mock of the 2017 season. And for the Eagles, at number 1415, whichever you want to call it, you have them selecting Marlon Humphrey, cornerback from Alabama. Can you give us a scouting report on Marlon as well as why you pegged a corner for the Eagles there? Well, I think, you know, corners, uh, especially in that division with, with Odell Beckham Jr. and Des Bryant, I mean, you know, you always have to make decisions based on, based on your, your division. That's always very important. I think the Eagles obviously could use an upgrade at the cornerback spot. And what Humphrey gives you is an, is an elite athlete. He's got a big size. He's got tremendous makeup speed. And he's about as physical a corner as you're going to find. I mean, very physical very aggressive in run support, likes to try to intimidate wide receivers early in the game. So some of his exploits, you know, in between whistles and even sometimes after the whistle. And, uh, you know, for me, he's an elite physical talent. He has some weaknesses in terms of his ball skills when the ball's going up top, and I think that's something he needs to work on. But when it comes to the physical, it's hard to find better than, than, than Humphrey. He's really going to test well at the combine. There's just some coverage issues and some technique issues that he has to work with. But, um, I think from a size-speed standpoint and needs inside the division, I think he fits with the Eagles. Lance, you mentioned the, the physicality. I remember that first drive against uh, USC where he came downhill against that jet screen, uh, the jet sweep, and just blew up the receiver. Uh, drew an audible reaction from me when I went and watched that game. But uh, it's interesting you bring up the, the scouting report with Mumphrey. Is there a player that he kind of reminds you of uh, based off of your film study uh, over the last couple of years? I know we've seen a lot of interesting corners that have that size-speed combination. Is there anybody that kind of, uh, you know, jogs your memory of someone that he reminds you of when you watch him on tape? You know, I'm, try I'm trying to remember who my comp was on him. I have to come up with player comps. I just remember that it took quite a while to come up with a comp, and I can't recall off the top of my head. It's on my draft profile right now if you were to, to look. I know that the guy he reminded me of physically was Kareem Jackson, who also played at, uh, at, at Alabama for Nick Saban. Kareem Jackson also has good size. and is very physical against the run. The difference is Kareem can't run like Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey can run, and Kareem didn't have that speed. So that's, that's the big difference. But from a size speed, I mean, size, speed, and physicality, it's, it, it's a little bit rare to find all three of those things, and he brings all three of those things to the table. But you can run as fast as you want. You can hit as hard as you want. You know, you better be able to cover two. And I think, I think that's the reason the physical would make him a top ten pick. Um, but ball skills, if they're not where they need to be, that's what's going to hurt you a little bit in the league. He'll still go on the first, but, you know, we'll see. He could fly way up the draft board, to be honest with you, because physically he's going to pass all of the, uh, the eyeball test. 
So, Lance, you mentioned how the cornerback group might be a position of need for the Eagles here this year. Um, looking at it on paper, it seems like it's a really deep group. Uh, how good do you think the cornerback class is overall this year? You know, I, I haven't gotten all the way through it because I'm, I'm 200 and, I guess, 85 players into 500. So I've still got a little ways to go. I've got the early guys done for the most part. So it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to, to pinpoint depth at this point. But I can tell you, I think there's four corners who are going to go in the first round. I think it is. There could be more. Douglas from West Virginia has really great ball skills. Uh, uh, Kazee from San Diego State has amazing ball skills. This isn't going to run real fast. But I thought he had a terrific senior ball when he was allowed to do what he does best. And so I, I think there's something for everyone in this draft from, from the standpoint of defensive philosophy and scheme. And so I, I do think that the cornerback position is going to offer up some, some pretty good players in the first four rounds without question. And, and the early round guys, you know, the, the other thing that I think is interesting is you've got some, some taller, longer cornerbacks in this draft, which is really appealing uh, to certain teams as well. So there is a, there's an interesting combination of, of types of corners. You know, Corn Elder from, from Miami, I'll give you an example, a guy who I don't think will go until the fifth round because of his size. Corn Elder is as physical as any cornerback in this draft. He just is much smaller. I think his 40 time is going to be average. But you look at the instincts, you look at the reactive quickness, you look at his physicality, he checks all those boxes. He's just smaller. You throw that guy in the slot for me, and I'm just fine. I have no problem with it. So I think you'll also be able to unearth some specialist for you, you know, for what you're looking for at the uh, at the slot position as well. So I do think it's going to be a pretty deep draft. I'm not all the way through it, but that is a position that if you have a need, you can find different flavors uh, for what it is that you want. Lance, you mentioned in an article on NFL.com when you're previewing the top needs for each of the teams who have been eliminated to this point. And for the Eagles, you mentioned cornerback at the top wide receiver, and an interesting one, running back, as your number three need for the Eagles. Were there any other prospects who you thought of putting there in your mock draft for the Eagles at that 14-15 spot? Uh, yeah. I mean, Mike Williams, obviously, um, is one that, that I would definitely consider. I think, it, I think it also really depends on what your, your tastes are for John Ross, because if you want a guy who can take the top off the defense, but isn't a very big player maybe somebody go with Matthews and you say we, we want a speed guy to, to maybe help out our bigger slower wide receivers then you might want to move back just a little bit and go look at a guy like Ross from Washington who is going to be able to really he's really going to light up the combine with his 40 times so I think from a wide receiver standpoint those are our guys that you could look at um, potentially and I got to tell you one of the reasons that I think running back is, is a need, we, we, we have, I think it's a little unsettled at running back. There's not one dude there, and a lot of times that's fine. But you look at what Dak Prescott had in Dallas, and it's just such an advantage to have a running back that you can count on that is a really good player. And there's nothing wrong with committee approaches, but sometimes when you have young quarterbacks like, like Carson Wentz, you want to give them the best chance to succeed, and the best way to do that is take something off their plate. And I think having a really good running back uh, maybe a Dalvin Cook. Uh, and, of course, I think you can address this position potentially in the second round as well. I think that would really help. For me, it's not just about the running game. It's about helping your quarterback as well. And that's why I think finding a dude, a guy that you can depend on, would really not just help out the running game and the offense, but would really help out the young quarterback who I think is going to be a special quarterback in the league. Lance, you mentioned that you just got back from the Senior Bowl. You mentioned Razul Douglas and DeMonte Kazee. Earlier in the show, we talked about some of the big practice standouts that everybody talks about, Hassan Reddick and O.J. Howard, some of the other players at some of the big positions. Were there any, was there anybody else that was maybe off the radar across the league that really stood out in your eyes, maybe someone that surprised you more than you thought they would going into the week in Mobile? Uh, you know, Cam Sutton, I thought, had some moments. Um, I have never been blown away by him. I, I don't, I don't dislike him. I just he's just kind of, eh, you know, he's just kind of there for me. I thought he had some pretty good moments in one on one. And I give you another interesting one. Tanzel Smart from Tulane um, is really a player who is just a relentless rusher. But he's six foot one, 
he's he's maybe six foot one. He he doesn't have measurables and traits that you're going to love, but his physical his play trait of getting to the quarterback and harassing interior linemen is something that is incredibly important. Interior rushers are hard to find. He's a guy that I thought his tape was pretty good. I was even more impressed when I got there to watch him work and, and kind of his attitude and his nastiness. And then, you know, I, a guy that I really didn't like on tape that I thought I had a really good week was, was uh, Dwayne Smoot from uh, Illinois. I thought he did a really nice job out there on the edge of one-on-ones. Now, one-on-ones are not accurate barometers all the time for how a player is going to perform on the next level, but he, he was in Lovey Smith's defense last year it might not have been a fit he might have been thinking more than playing and I think watching him at the senior bowl what I had a chance to do was see a guy who was reactive and who was playing with instincts overthinking in his one-on-one drills and I was really to be honest with you much more impressed with with Smoot out there at the senior bowl practice than I was when I watched his tape so that's why senior bowl can be important it gives you a more complete piece of the puzzle as well Lance, I know that you're always keeping your eye on the offensive linemen as well. Uh, last year, the Eagles grabbed a couple of them in Isaac Sayamalu and Halapulavati Vitae. Who are some of the maybe the under-the-radar linemen that you're keeping an eye on this year? Uh, Will Holden from Vanderbilt, who to me is just a little slower version of a, of a really technically proficient tackle. He's just not super quick, but he's really functional and I think he's really technically sound. I think he's going to be a third-day player who ends up becoming a, uh, a pretty good starter in the league. Um, let me think. I would say from a guard standpoint, well, there's three who are right there together to me, and it's Damian Mama, uh, Isaac Asiata, and Nico Saragusa. All three of those, I think one of those guys is going to become um, – a very good guard. I, th- I think they're similar in how they play, but they're kind of bunched up together, and I think they could all become solid NFL starters. One of them, I think, is bound to become uh, an above-average NFL starter. That's something I would keep an eye on. I also think that there are – I'm really looking at tackle to center transitions. I think we're going to see that more and more. The trend around the NFL is go get tackles because the idea is, so many teams are, are, are reducing down their defensive ends down to defensive tackles on pass rush. Well, who better to handle a, an athletic interior pass rusher than a tackle who has length and has, you know, and has uh, a history of, of, of going against those guys. So more and more teams are looking to draft tackles. So I'm really keeping an eye on tackle guard and tackle center. Deion Dawkins from Deion Dawkins for me from, uh, uh, from, from, Temple, that's another one who I think he's a fighter, and I see the holes in his game, but he has, he has tackle and guard swing potential. But, but listen, you and I, can, we can all sit here and talk about offensive line all day. It's not a good offensive line draft. I can, I can poke a lot more holes in players than I can find you know, under-the-radar prospects because I just don't think this is a very good draft to have center needs. I, do, I mean, uh, offensive line needs. I do think there will be three tackles in the first round. And for me, Ryan Ramchick is the safest of those three. I know he's not under the radar, but I think he's a safe tackle as long as his medicals hold up. Lance, you should have seen Fran's fist pump when you mentioned Will Holden at the first part of your answer there. So he was certainly excited to hear that. Uh, Before I went to the Shrine game, and I'm like, and I called my dad, who's O-line coach of the Cardinals, and I said, you know, Dad, I just found a guy, and, and he's not even watching any of these guys at the time, so I, I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. I said, I just saw a guy who's like a good version. He's, I said, he's a slower version of a good tackle. He's just Everything is just a little bit slower. He doesn't have the twitch, but his hands are really steady. His, his body control is really, really good. Um, I just see a lot of things that, that, that I really like in his game. It's just not very fast. Well, then I started watching him with some of these – O-line coaches uh, who were there at the, at, the, at the Senior Bowl, and I realized I was onto something because they saw a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, I, I watched him before the Shrine game too, Lance, and I, and I thought, you know what, he was a late addition to the Shrine game, so I watched him late in the process. He kind of reminded me a little bit of like an Andrew Whitworth. I know he's a little bit bigger. He's, he's an interesting guy. So I, any, anytime I'm in agreement 
with a lineman that you like, I feel pretty good uh, about my assessment of the player. So good to hear that you like him. Yeah, no, he's he's pretty good. I don't have my list of players because I'm I'm constantly looking for guys who have, you know, like like Robert Leff. I watched him from Auburn. He was a late addition to the uh, to the Senior Bowl. So Robert Leff's not strong enough to play tackle. He has shorter arms. He has physical deficiencies. But he's a guy that I just wrote up yesterday that I'm thinking, you know, if you bump him down to center, he's a poor man's Ethan Posick, and I think that he's very fluid in space. He moves well. To me, you might be able to get that guy late round to undrafted, and he could eventually become a guy who could find his way into a starting lineup. He's got almost 33-inch arms. He's six foot five. I think he's a zone guard and maybe even a, a little bit taller center. Not the best anchor in the world, but he's athletic, and for a team who wants a center to – get up to the second level and make some cutoff blocks and things like that. You know, I'm always looking for guys like that because those guys end up playing in the league. You don't have to be first and second rounders. You just have to have something that you do well, and you have to fit a scheme. Lance, I have one last question for you. Between your research and your conversations with people around the league, who are some of the most polarizing prospects that you've come across in this year's draft class? Who are going to cause the most debate between now and the draft at the end of April? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I would say Gerald Everett is one from South Alabama. The, uh, the tight end slash, well, he's a matchup tight end, so he won't be everyone's flavor. I would say uh, Quincy Wilson. I would say potentially Rasul Douglas. And once again, this gets into your taste for what you like in a player. Um, pretty much everyone's universally down on Brad Kaya. That's a really good question. And, I'll, and I, you know, to be honest with you, I'll start to know more around combine. You asked me that question after combine, and I can really flesh it out because I'll talk to a lot more teams and, and position coaches, more importantly, who have seen these players. But that's a, that's a really good question. I'll keep, I'll keep an ear out for that one. Lance, sounds like a plan, but we are, I will admit, disappointed that you didn't drop, it, dra- drop any bombshells regarding any trades on this, this podcast here like you did last year. Yeah, don't, don't know of any at this time, and I don't think I did it this early in the game either. <laughs> Lance Earline, draft analyst for NFL.com and a Sports Talk host on Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Lance, thank you so much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. All right, appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, Lance. Some great stuff there. I was, like, jotting down these, like, little notes that, like, you know, when we're posting to, like, social media, like, just little things, like, this guy's going to light up the combine or, you know, the transition of that teams are going to be looking for along the offensive line. And Zero Line is one of the best at analyzing the offensive linemen. And uh, like you guys said, he did, like, say, a mile on Vitae yep. in the pre-draft process last season. Yeah, and I, I actually was able to, while he was finishing up, I was able to look up who his player comparison was for Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, who he had the Eagles taking in his latest mock draft. Uh, and it was Jimmy Smith, the former first-round pick. Oh, it wasn't Green uh, Jackson. Yeah, it was not Green oh, Jackson. Okay. It was Jimmy Smith uh, from uh, the University of Colorado, Colorado. Yep. Uh, a few years ago, the 2012 draft, 2011 yes. draft, one of, the, one of those 11, two years, yeah. uh, from the Baltimore Ravens, the former first-round pick. So Humphrey, Humphrey is a really fun player. Yeah, C-Mac, and as you mentioned, no bombshells from Lance Airline this year because, no. of course, last year when we had him on the podcast, it was right after the Eagles moved from 13 to 8 in the first round, and he had the, the inside scoop that, hey, maybe the Eagles might be looking to move up even further in the draft and get one of those quarterbacks, and that's exactly what happened. All right, so it's time for unofficial visit. Alex. Yes. You had a chance to catch up with Elijah McGuire. Mm-hmm. Running back East. out of uh, Louisiana, Lafayette. A really fun interview, a really fun guy to talk to. And really just one of those small school players who wanted to prove that he belonged, uh, you know, not only at the Shrine game, but with this group of running backs overall. Uh, I liked what I saw from him this week, and uh, I really liked uh, our interview that we did as well. All right, so here's an interview, our unofficial visit with Elijah McGuire. The unofficial visit. All right, I'm here with Eli McGuire from Louisiana Lafayette. Eli, first day of practice in the books here. How'd you feel out there on the field? Oh, man, I felt great, man. Uh, I didn't want it to be too soon before I put on pads again, but, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, man. But to get out here with these group of guys, man, you know, we only be together for a week. Mm-hmm. But you got to make the best of it, man. And I, I can't say that today was a great day. What are you trying to take away from this whole week here? Oh, just the experience, man. Like, at first, uh, I thought about playing the game, and, you know, I accepted it. And, uh 
I said to myself, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna just come out here and have fun, man, and just get the best of it. So as you look ahead towards the next level, what's something in your game that you're trying to work on here in the next few weeks leading up to the draft? Uh, leading up to the draft, man, just trying to work on my pass protection, man. You know, I got a problem uh, uh, picking up blitzes, but that's just me having my eyes in the wrong spot. But if I get my eyes in the wrong spot, everything will be easy. You come from a smaller program in Louisiana Lafayette, so when you're out here with players from bigger schools, does that kind of give you a little chip on your shoulder? It does, man, because like, <laughs> I see a lot of big schools out here. And for me, being from a small school to be out here, man, that says I accomplished a lot, and I'm, I'm just grateful uh, to even get this this invite, and mm -hmm. I want to thank the Shrine for inviting me uh, to come play in this game. But you certainly believe that you can play with all these guys. Oh, yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. Uh, you know, coming out of high school, my situation was crazy, but, I mean, God put me in a reason, I mean, put me in a place uh, to go to UF for a reason. So it was, it was all in his hand. So my final question for you here, Eli, when this week comes to an end, what do you want to have accomplished here? Oh, I just want to open some eyes, man. I just want to get all the scouts and teammates, hey, man, number one, that kid Elijah McGuire, man, he could play. I didn't know he was like that. Uh, I never heard of him being from a small school, but he came out here and showed his butt. Eli, thank you very much. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's our final segment. It's our draft mailbag. So Fran did a great job of soliciting questions on Twitter. Uh, if you want to give him a follow, at FDuffy3. Alex is on Twitter as well. You're Alex Smith underscore. At Alex underscore Smith, Smith. PHI. There we go. And I'm at CMAC Eagles. And, of course, Alex does a great job of running our at Eagles account. So as we go into a draft mailbag, your first question comes from at Louis Bleeds Green. Can you name some later round running backs you like or would think would fit with the birds? Uh, I love Devion Smith from Michigan, yeah. uh, who we saw at the Senior Bowl. You saw him as well at the Shrine Game, Alex. Uh, I love his physicality. I love his vision. I love his ability to play on third down. He's not a great athlete. That's why I think he will fall to day three. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I think, has a chance potentially to fall to day three. I'm going to do a full scouting report on him on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast this week. I do like what Hunt uh, brings to the table. He had a great week uh, at the Senior Bowl as well, as Alex mentioned earlier. I like Justin Davis from USC. Uh, who was supposed to be at the Shrine game but had to bow out because of injury. Uh, he reminds me a little bit, in terms of his running style, his, phys his physical build, of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I like Justin Davis a lot. Donnell Pumphrey we saw last yeah, that's week. An it's, it's, yeah, yeah, he, he's an interesting guy as well. Undersized, very yeah. undersized. Uh, and that's, weighed 169 he, at the combine. Under, under 170 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not very good. Um, but... You know, at 5'8", you know, we'll, we'll round up to 170. Uh, Pumphrey, good vision, decisive runner, catches the ball well, uh, really competitive kid as well. I, I like what Pumphrey brings to the table as a late-round player as well. But it's amazing. It's like when you watched him play, did you ever think that he was that small? I knew he was small. Oh, I was hoping that he'd come in more than 170. Right. I was hoping. <laughs> but he does but run hard. He does. I mean, oh, he absolutely we does. He's not afraid of contact. It's not like he's a you know 170-pound guy who's just going to run out of bounds. Right. He'll he'll play to contact. So uh, I mean, we'll see how he does at the combine. All right. Our next question comes from at Jay Rizzo on Twitter. Can the Eagles get two starting corners if they select corners in rounds two and four? Now. The question is, or the answer immediately would be, yes, they could if they want to plug them in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Day one. And you need the right players, too. Right. I mean, you could say you yes. could pick the wrong guy in the fourth round, and right. of course, he's not going to start. But and just look what the Eagles did last year with Jalen Mills in the seventh right. round. Of he was a starter towards the end of the season. Right. could very well be a starter next year. So it, it all depends, you know, it, it just depends on your evaluation prospect, uh, your evaluation process and getting the right guy. So could they? Sure, they could. Let's just, let's just do a little, little exercise, okay, okay guys? Yeah. You count on, on you're going to need more than one hand. You're going to need three. Uh, but Tredavious White, Cordrea Tankersley, Desmond King, Cam Sutton, Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, Kevin King, Adore Jackson, Jalen Tabor, Marquez White, Chidobe Awuzie, some people view as a starter, Quincy Wilson, Razul Douglas, Sidney Jones. There's a lot of players that a lot yeah. of people view as potential starting corners, and that's the guys that are viewed as top prospects, not even counting guys like Corn Elder, who, uh, who Lance mentioned earlier, and you know Brendan Langley, who we saw, the, the small school kid from mm -hmm. Lamar. A lot of, small, a lot of really interesting players uh, in this cornerback class. That's why a lot of people view it as one of the deepest we've seen. So if there's a year where it's a yes, this could, could be, be the one. Year. But that doesn't mean you automatically wait either, of course. No, you of course. You, you know, if, if a guy goes in round one, it, it comes to you in round one, and you see uh, you know, this guy is going to be a, a perennial pro bowler and one of the top five corners in the league, yeah. you take him you know, if, if he's the best player. So 
Uh, it's going to be a very interesting year to see how it plays out of that position. All right, next question comes from at Francis 1235 on Twitter. Are the Eagles more likely to go offensive skill player or defense in the first round? I feel like we should just get a stamp. That just says BPA on it, best player available, because yeah. that's what it's going to be. I really don't think that the Eagles are going to look at it one way or the other and say we have to take an offensive guy here, we have to take a defensive guy here. Uh, it, it depends who's there. Yep. I mean, it, it all depends on how things work out leading up to the Eagles pick. So I think maybe we should just get a stamp and just stamp it on any kind of these que any questions like this. Uh, I feel the same, especially at this point. It's so it's so impossible to say. Are they more likely to do this, or what are the chances they do this? I almost feel like retweeting those sometimes and saying, you know, 37.8% chance that, th yeah. that this happens. Like, yeah. Because we have no idea. We have no idea. It, the thing is with the Eagles, it's not like there are a ton of positions where I'm like, they couldn't use a guy at this right, spot. Exactly. You know, Where couldn't you say? Like, they're probably not taking a quarterback at pick 14 <laughs> yeah. or 15. There you go. Right. Quarterbacks That's, off the table. But other than that, safety, you would say, is pretty probably much set. Not. Probably not. Right. Okay. Exactly. Probably not drafting a kicker. Right. Yeah. Probably not drafting a player. But after that, yeah. all right. After you that. go go through through all the positions. You can make an argument anywhere. Any position there. So it's so still for agency to play into it. So it's a little too early to tell. But the Eagles need they just need talent on both sides mm. of the ball. Yep. Next question comes from at t underscore himes seven. What do you think of O.J. Howard in the first round? And is he as game changing? as people seem to think. Now this is interesting because it just goes back to exactly what I said <laughs> about best player available. Yeah, if he's the best player available, if he's, then yes. First of all, personally, I don't think he's going to be there at 14 or 15. But if he is and he's there, it's tough because I look at what the Eagles have at tight end right now, and you have Zach Ertz, who you just signed to a big extension, who I think is an above-average tight end, can do a lot of really good things in your offense. Uh, you still have Brent Selleck. You have Trey Burton. So tight end, I think, is one of the – one of the positions on the Eagles roster where they have the most depth right now. But if he's there, it's hard not to take him. So, I, guys, I actually go a little bit back and forth on this one. If he's there, I'd have a hard time passing up on him. If he's there and he's the best player on the board, yes, okay. then, yeah, that, I, I think that you look at that and you look at that hard because, you know, like you mentioned, even though the Eagles uh, – and this is why drafting for need is always tough because I, I think to two cases. One, I think to, to the Minnesota Vikings this year – and no one thought they needed they were going to be giving up a first round pick for a quarterback nor did anyone think that they were in, going to be in a huge need for offensive tackle and right. four tackles get hurt and now all of a sudden they're the worst offensive line in football yeah. uh you know i i think that really when you look at the, the drafting for need right. it's very very tough and look at what the eagles did with jordan hicks exactly right he was a, a third round pick wasn't expected really to play at all that year yep. uh but the eagles saw him as the best player available at that spot they took him eventually he wor works his way into the starting lineup and now he's one of the better middle linebackers in the nfl all right next question comes from at pierre otb3 do you think Tredavis White will be there for the Eagles in the second round? That goes back to that corner discussion. Uh, I think it's possible. I think he's a first-round talent. I do think he could fall to the, to the second round. Uh, I think the combine will help separate a lot of these corners, mm -hmm. and I think that could be big for Tredavious White. Yeah, I think what hurt him is that he actually got hurt at the Senior Bowl, kind of shortened his week there. Uh, I thought he was a little bit up and down for the most part from what I saw from him early in the week. Um, but, yeah, Fran, like you said, the combine's going to be huge for him. All right, next question. We've got two more here. At Philly Fan HND, what would your pro comp be for Corey Davis, the wide receiver? Our fan here saw a little of AJ Green in there. It's funny when you, if, to me, if you put Corey Davis with Mike Williams and put them together, I think they're Julio Jones. Because uh, I think Corey Davis, and when you compare Williams and Davis, yeah, they're similar in that they're both big bodied guys. I think Davis, what's interesting about Davis, he's really good after the catch. And he's a really polished route runner at his size. So, uh, and he's got the ability to get vertical, probably more so than Williams, even though he's not a burner. I think Davis, Davis is really intriguing, man. I think that everyone, everyone was so quick in the fall to say, oh, Mike Williams, receiver one, mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens, receiver two, three, four. The, to me, I, I've always kind of, I love both players. Williams and Davis are both great players. I kind of prefer Davis. And, I, and both guys, like I said, are, are great players. So you, you're not wrong when he, with either player, but. Uh, Davis, finding a pro comp is, is tough. Some people have made the comparison to, uh, to Terrell Owens as well. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. I, is that fair? Do you think that's fair? I think In terms of what they can do after the ball, route running ability, That's all the big things. thing is the yards after catch kind of reminds me of that. And uh, T.O. was a pretty crafty route runner as well. So uh, I think you've got some similarities there. I actually, I also saw some Jordan Matthews comps on Twitter. Do you, do you buy into that? I think they were different players at college. I, to me, like Zay Jones reminds me more of, of Jordan. 
uh, than court is. All right, our last question here comes from at Chris underscore Wetland. What are your thoughts on Jabril Peppers from Michigan possibly being a nickel weak side linebacker in the Eagles defense? I, I'm still on the fence. And I, at first, I felt pretty strong in the fall, like when I first watched him again, that he was going to be a linebacker. And then I watched another game and I thought, maybe he's a safety. I'm still like kind of going back and forth what, uh, you know, what Jabril Peppers ultimately is. I think when you talk about a lot of projecting a guy to the Eagles scheme at linebacker, you need to be able to see him defeating blocks. And so that's the big question for Jabril Peppers is, as a former safety, as a former corner, can he come down and do that? That was why seeing uh, Hassan Reddick do that last week mm -hmm. so consistently in practice, defeating blocks at the point of attack, was so big for me uh, and trying to project him to the Eagles because you want those linebackers. They're going to have offensive linemen in their face quickly, uh, you know, very often throughout in that scheme. You have to be able to defeat blocks and get off and, and flow to the football. Yeah, and Chris, you asked Lance Airline about polarizing prospects. I feel like Jabril Peppers is yeah. one of those guys in terms of mm -hmm. you'll see him in the top five of some mock drafts. Some mock drafts, you won't see him in the first round at all. Yep. So I think he's one of those guys, because he can play so many different positions and he has played so many different positions, it's just going to be all about how teams view him and where he fits for that team. So uh, I think he's one of those guys we could see anywhere in the first round. So, Frank, how does he compare? I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here. How does he compare to, say, a Miles Jack from a year ago and maybe a Shaq Thompson from two seasons ago? Those guys who were in the same category were they were hybrid players that teams weren't quite sure where they would fit at the next level. And I remember being at the Combine, I think, last year, and Miles Jack was dismissing, like, well, I'm not going to be a running back. I'm not going to be a safety like I am a linebacker. Yep. Uh, where, how would you compare Peppers to those, those types of players? I, I will be in interested to see what Peppers' mindset is when he gets there to Indy because, uh, you know, based off his workouts and everything and how he's trying to get his body ready for that event will kind of tell me what he thinks, if he's going to be a safety or if he wants to be a linebacker. You know, he's listed 6'1", 205. That's safety size. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's not linebacker size. So if he shows up at, you know, at six foot and a half, you know, 208 pounds, I'm going to think this guy's going to be playing safety. Now, if he shows up and he's 219, you know, 223, 220, that's still small for a linebacker, but that shows to me that he's probably putting on weight with the idea that he's going to play linebacker. Um, what impressed me about Peppers this year, and I watched two games from this year, what impressed me most was I thought he showed good instincts in coverage. And there's going to be the comparisons to Miles Jack because of what we saw from him a year ago. Uh, and Jack had his share of, of struggles trying to adapt to the NFL game this year. Uh, talking with Greg Cosell about it, you know his transition because I was very interested to see how he would transition the league. I'll be interested to see how that impacts a guy like Peppers. It'll be very interesting. All right, fellas, it was it's great to be back in the there polls. Is a good maiden voyage with the trio. Yes. Yes, yes, indeed. So a little long, a little long. Okay, I can be long-winded. Yeah. Apologies, right. apologies for for that. We but hope timing down. You know, but hopefully, you know, a lot, a lot of great information. Hope that you guys all. Uh, took a lot out of it. Again, uh, if there's anything you want to hear on future episodes of the podcast, any particular guests, any questions you want answered, make sure to leave us a comment on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you very much for all of your support. Special shout out to Land Zeroline from NFL.com for joining us here in our Mr. Relevant segment. For Alex Smith and Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson, and that's our special producer behind the scenes, Brian Thomas. We want to thank you all for joining us here on this week's edition of Journey to the Draft. Presented by AAA, we'll be back next week.